Good afternoon. This is Ellen Bell, and you're listening to Vintage Orange on KUCI 88.9 FM. How are you today? It's good to be with you, and uh, another afternoon of talking Orange County history here on Vintage Orange. Uh, this is Ellen Bell. Did I say that already? I don't know. Oh, uh, well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can't be forgetful yet. But yes, I'm here to talk about uh, a city spotlight this afternoon. We're going to be talking about shining our spotlight here on Vintage Orange a little bit south on the coast. We're going to go down to Dana Point, which uh, is one of my favorite spots to hang out and uh, catch a sunset. It's a beautiful harbor. If you haven't been down there lately, I suggest you get back. But, you know, did you know that it actually used to be called Dana's Point uh, with the apostrophe S uh, early on uh, when a surveyor was kind of measuring out the the coastline there they called it Dana's Point in reference to Richard Henry Dana who was the famous sailor and author who wrote two years before the mast and um, they wanted to kind of give that point prominence because this was the part that Dana mentioned in his book but in the late 1920s when they were developing it and turning it into more of a resort community they they changed the name to Dana Point because Dana's Point was just too cumbersome to say and difficult on signs and things like that. So that's when they changed the name to Dana Point. And now, just in case you think that I'm really smart and I happen to know all these things in my brain all the time, I must confess I got that information from my guest this week, um, a gentleman named Carlos Alvera, uh, who is an expert on all things Dana Point history. And he is going to be talking with me today about the history of not only Dana Point, but some things that are going to be happening there, things that are happening currently in his city. Um, Carlos Olvera was, he, he's very well uh, suited to talk about this type of history, not only because of his 20 years of service in the city, he was actually, he's worked on the, on the been on the part of the city council, he has been a past president of the Dana Point Historical Society, he's even been mayor of the city, and so he knows what he's talking about when we're discussing Dana Point history. He's currently a chairman of the Orange County Historical Commission as well, and so I'm very happy that he's here today to talk with us about the history of Dana Point. Well, thank you, Carlos, for being with me today on Vintage Orange. I appreciate your time and coming here to share us a little bit of Dana Point history. I appreciate you calling me. Well, I I wanted to be able to talk about Dana Point this week. I think it's very apropos because this weekend is a very special time in Dana Point with the Tall Ships Festival happening uh, this Friday, September 9th is the beginning of it. And so I thought, what better time to talk about the maritime history of of one of Orange County's most important ports? Um, Tell me a little bit about the beginnings of Dana Point as a harbor. The beginnings for the harbor, uh, actually, the concept was started right after the war. Um, the war kind of got Washington, D.C. thinking about harbors, and so it was the Secretary of War at that time uh, that, that was saying we needed a harbor on, uh, we should have harbors on California's coast. So around 1947 uh, began the idea of creating a harbor somewhere in the area of uh, Dana Point, mm-hmm. kind of a harbor between Dana Point and San Clemente. It took about 20 years for that idea to get cemented into choosing uh, Dana Point Harbor Cove, Dana Point Cove, and making that into a harbor. And the rock placing ceremony uh, 
uh, happened in uh, 1966 when they placed the first rock for the breakwater of the harbor, beginning the construction of the harbor. Okay, and was that what we just had the recent unveiling, or was there a time capsule that was just opened? Yes. Tell me about in that. that. In that initial uh, rock placing ceremony, happened, which happened on August the 29th, 1966, um, they had uh, an audience of about 1,000 to 2,000 people, any organization attended and were asked to contribute to this time capsule. The time capsule was a stainless steel tube about four foot long and about four inches in diameter. And they put uh, about 120 items in there, which included business cards, directories of these organizations I just mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, the original plans for the harbor, and a lot of mementos that uh, were of the era to show us today what was going on back then. And so recently, uh, that was just reopened this, what, a week ago, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Last <laughs> Monday. And uh, w were there records of what was in there, or that truly was going to be a surprise as to what you would find? We had opened the castle before that, uh, that ceremony in order to give... Uh, Chris Jepson in the Orange County Archives is the assistant archivist uh, to take out the documents and try to pr uh, preserve them. We had a barbecue uh, last Monday because in that capsule uh, there was a ticket for a free barbecue <laughs> if you were the original ticket holder in 1966. Oh my. So the, so the uh, ceremony last Monday was if you had one of those original tickets, you could have a free barbecue lunch. Now, how many and, people came? Did you have uh, takers? We're thinking around uh, 1,500 people. <gasps> oh, my goodness. It was, a, it was a standing room crowd only. And the line just to look at the exhibit uh, was very, very long. And there were some glassed-in tables, uh, blown-up pictures, uh, maps of the area, some artifacts that came back from the 20s where the first development uh, of data point was beginning. So it was, people were really interested. We had Miss Dana Point of 1966 and Miss <laughs> San Clemente of 1966. I tracked them down and we invited them and they, along with the uh, owner of the construction company that did the, the seawall around the harbor, were here, and they commented it was like a high school reunion of 1966. Oh, that's amazing. What do you think was the most surprising, what were some of the most surprising things that were inside that that people just couldn't believe? I think the most interesting thing to me were comments by some people then trying to describe the 1966 era and how would it be today 50 years later yeah and they talked about things like uh bathing suits are bathing suits going to get any smaller <laughs> well they did <laughs> that's yeah. so where are those things going to be are they going to be on display somewhere so people right can now see them? they're on display at the dana point historical society which is located at city hall 
And then after they will spend time there, they will go back to uh, Santa Ana at the Orange County Archives, and they will have an exhibit there for a while. Wonderful. At the old county courthouse. Wonderful. Well, I plan on checking that out. I was out of town when you all opened that, and I was really bummed because I wanted to be there. I didn't know you were offering barbecue, though. That would have really been something better. <laughs> we had uh, the restaurants on the harbor all got together. You could just go down. We had seven different restaurants provide food. For a ten dollar for a ten dollar lunch. Well, what? How would you describe? I mean, that's just a, a wonderful community feeling. I mean, tell me about if I've if I've never been to Dana Point before. What describe that community feeling? I mean, is it a small town? Is it a tourist place? It, how would you describe Dana Point? Dana Point was kind of created uh, as a weekend getaway for the people from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no industry down here. And this started in the uh, mid-1920s. And so it was just a little enclave of getaways that a developer by the name of Sidney Woodruff was trying to develop uh, Dana Point. He He had made a name for himself in Los Angeles by developing a community that is right underneath the big sign that says Hollywood. (laughs) <laughs> that sign said Hollywood Land, the L-A-N-D, fell off, and that was his mark of success, and he came down here to try that in Dana Point. Hmm. Uh, the stock market crash uh, ended that in in uh, the 30s, market crashes in 29, and nothing happened, really. Uh, he hung on for 10 years until he went bankrupt, and then the war came along, and then things weren't, after the war, things were just kind of mediocre, it wasn't until around the 60s the development started to pick up again. We had the surfing community because there was some really, as we know with the Beach Boys, and in their songs, some of the beaches that they describe as the best surfing beaches are in Dana Point. Mm-hmm. Killer Dana, uh, Doheny. And so it became a little surfing community. The surfing industry was created here with uh, Hobie Elter. And around the 80s, uh, as development started to sprawl from the bigger communities, it kind of enclosed in this Dana Point where it's located halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego. And it has the the characteristic of a small, sleepy little beach town. So it, it really does have kind of that romantic feel to it of being older California, would you say? Does it retain some of that um, vintage coast? I mean, you, you've got a lot of things. If I if I went to Dana Point uh, 30, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, would I still recognize it? Or has there been revolutionary change in, in the last few decades? It's been a slow change. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it's been a slow change, we do have uh, people that are resistant to change, and they want to maintain the old, mm-hmm. the old atmosphere. Uh, what Dana Point has done, we became a city in 1989, and our business district, which at the time was called Town Center, the streets are that were named in the 20s are starting at the northern end, Green Lantern, Blue Lantern, Ruby Lantern, uh, Violet Lantern, Amber Lantern, uh, Silver Lantern, uh, Golden Lantern, Silver Lantern, and Crystal Lantern, mm-hmm. all the what we call the Lantern Streets. And in the, in the days of the, of the 20s, lampposts were on those, at those intersections, and a bulb on the top of that lamppost was the color 
of the street. Hmm. So you can stand at the top of the hill and look hmm. down Pacific Coast Highway and see these different colored lights, knowing which street was the cross street. That that all those lampposts got torn down during the war for mm-hmm. souvenirs. Uh, they were made out of copper. They were in the design of a ship's old ship's lantern, tall ship's lantern, and they were all gone. Uh, when I was president of the historical society, we made an effort to collect some of those. Uh, were successful in obtaining some that had migrated their way up into Oregon, hmm. and. As Dana Point became a city, we were going to try to revitalize our business area. Today, we finished that project. We started it in nineteen uh, in uh, twenty twelve, and we finished it two years ago. Uh, we it is now referred to as the Historic Lantern District, hmm. and our entryway to there is called the Lantern District. We recreated those old historic lanterns. We have some of the historic buildings of the 20s still standing with monuments and markers uh, identifying them. Uh, there is a historic uh, tour, walking tour through, this, through the center of town. Wonderful. Some of the uh, buildings that were built in, in the mid-1920s and commemorating Richard Henry Dana which the town is named after. So there is a lot of historical, you can go back and there's been many efforts made to to give you a sense of the Dana Point's past in present day. That's wonderful. I'll have to come down and take that walking tour because I've known those streets, you know, I've lived in Orange County a long time and I'm very familiar with the Lantern Streets as roads, but uh, to, to imagine what that would have looked like with all the different colors and all that, I, I love how that preservation work has been done. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Richard Henry Dana and his point in history. Richard Henry Dana was going to Harvard, and he had some eye problems, and it was suggested to him that he needed to go to sea as a sailor to get away from the uh, environs of Boston mm-hmm. and to clear up his eyesight. He did it begrudgingly. Uh, his father made him do that. And so his father... Uh, was well-connected and got him as a sailor aboard uh, the Pilgrim. And the Pilgrim left Boston and sailed around the Horn and started with a sole purpose of bringing goods from the East Coast to trade them for leather hides, cow hides, on the West Coast. And so it was the hide trade of the mid-1800s. He was here in 1835. Okay. And, and then during that trip, he stopped along from San Diego all the way up to San Francisco uh, trading hides. And he was not like a captain on the ship or anything. He was a worker guy, right? He was He was of... one of the lowly crewmen. Yes. His book that he wrote, his journal, is called Two Years Before the Mast. The significance of that is before the mast is where the sailors slept while the officers and above slept in the back quarter because it's the bow of the ship that's always slamming up and down. Mm -hmm. And so that's a rough part of the boat. So his book was two years before the mast because that's where he slept. Because he slept two years in front of the 
boat. <laughs> in the, yeah, in the, the bumpy, boat. In the bumpy part of the boat. In I the bumpy part, Thank yeah. you. You know what? I didn't know that. See, I love this show because I learned something. You know, you think you know enough, a lot about history locally, and I didn't know the significance of that title. Thank you so much. So he comes and he writes, you know, he takes his journals, and he's kind of recording his experiences of, of that. And what is he, he, he calls uh, this part of the coast, you know, Dana Point, that would later become the harbor area and as the most the only romantic spot on the coast um, of California is how he describes it why do you think he said that he was amazed by the uh, high cliffs Uh, Dana Point has about uh, uh, sand cliffs uh, from border to border and what, what we locally call and refer to as the headlands which is a promontory point in, in uh, Dana Point, which today is a nature preserve, and there are hiking trails mm. out there so you can see the beautiful views out to the ocean. And he was uh, just amazed at these, that this beautiful high plateaus above the ocean, about 100 to uh, 200 feet high, mm-hmm. and this little tiny cove. And as he was sailing past it, he went up to San Francisco and then back down and stopped a second time. And he just made that comment in his book that this was the most romantic spot on the coast. And that kind of, went, as his book became popular, it was published once he returned to the Boston area, and it was a very popular book. It became very popular because what it did, it was published in 1840. I happen to have an original copy of it. Oh, wow. That's cool. And that book was really the first connection for the East Coast to understand what was going on on the West Coast. Because in those days, there was no communication from East Coast to West Coast by land. So Richard Henry Dana's personal visit and what he saw along the California coast gave the East Coast residents a better understanding of what was going on way out there. So, for a long time, that kind of mythical image of Orange County and the mission life, and, you know, you go a little bit inland there, Capistrano, and the be- the jewel of the mission, and all that romantic vision of this part of the country um, persisted for quite a while, and that was really due to Dana's book. Yes, it was. Uh, the missions, like the one in San Juan, Capistrano, our neighbor, uh, was built in 1776, and they were located, the missions were located three miles from the coast. They, they chose that by experience because the pirates would sack the missions, and they learned from San Diego to put them farther inland mm-hmm. so they would be out of cannon reach. And that, from there, they went all the way up to San Francisco building their missions. So Dana is is kind of telling the story of this industry that was happening, and you had the 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 ranch the missions were the kind of the industry. They were the ones creating, the raising the cattle, um, and they would be trading these hides, which was basically the they they called it the California dollar. The the, yeah. the cattle was raised for their hides, not for their meat. So they would have the hides and then the tallow so that they would render the fat from the cattle send the tallow and all of that and they would trade it with the new englanders and transport it via these ships that dana was on and i loved i I went down when my my son was in fourth grade and of course we had to go down and visit the pilgrim and the mission and all that and the idea imagining them throwing those hides 
over the cliffs um, off of those headlands that you mentioned and just throwing them down to the beach and having then they would pick them up and put them on. It's just such an amazing image. And you can still see that today if you go down there on the harbor and you can kind of imagine what that would have looked like. At the top of the bluff, at the end uh, of um, Violet Lantern, there is a statue. It's called the Hyde Droger statue. Droger is an old English term meaning to carry. And it is a statue of a sailor dressed in the period of the 1835 sailors, throwing one of the hides taken from the mission off the cliff down to the beach below. That was placed in 1989, uh, 88, and uh, because one of the developers that was going to develop a project there, uh, asked for, where is the historical site? There was none. One was created, and they're the ones that took the lead. The Dana Point Historical Society took the lead for making that statue. So that's a wonderful thing, to, to another commemoration of connecting the past to the present. And so not only is Dana Point named for him, but it really is, it's that lifeblood of the sea and the harbor and everything is still very much present. And we, we talked earlier about how this weekend the Tall Ships Festival is happening, and I really encourage people to get out there um, to, to experience it because not only can you go and, and see these sites and, and see the bluffs or the harbor or the see some of the there's a replica of Dana's ship, the Pilgrim, is in the harbor. So you can you can see that. But this weekend you can actually take some rides on these ships, isn't that right? You can be a little more interactive. Yes. Uh, there were there will be an opportunity. Uh, to to get aboard some of the ships during this Tall Ships Festival. Uh, festival. Uh, about five other Tall Ships along the California coast will join us. They do this get-together up and down along the coast, and this weekend is our weekend. And there will be a mock cannon battle <laughs> out at sea where these Tall Ships will be firing cannons at each other simulating a pirate attack or a ship attack now can you can they, you be on the ship when that's happening or that's something that you're going to be watching from the shore most everybody will be watching it from the shore there will be some people that will have special passes to get on on board of some of those ships okay okay so but you can certainly appreciate that from the shore you don't have to have a ticket on one of those ships to be able to see that's that right cannon there battle. are plenty of places on on the bluff to to watch it you can hear the cannon roars you can see the smoke from the cannons and the ships will be bobbing back and forth and so that'll be going on just about sunset on saturday oh how perfect and then i know that there will be tours and a lot of stuff for kids to be able to go on the ships and you know kind of see what the ship will later come into the harbor uh they will be at the um ocean institute the pilgrim which is a recreation of the uh brig pilgrim that richard henry dayton sailed on it was built in denmark in 1945 and later purchased and brought to uh, California. And the Ocean Institute now owns it and uses it as a uh, classroom for students to teach them about the sea and the lives of the sailors of the 1830s and the rigorous things that people had to go through during the times that California was a wild, wild west. 
Well, and, and again, I, I love how there's an opportunity for today's generation to be able to learn about what came before. And you do an excellent job of that in Dana Point, not only with this one festival that's happening this weekend, but all year round with the programs that you have to be able to go visit the Pilgrim. I know you have school field trips there all the time. And then what the work you do at the Dana Point Historical Society, where, where can we come and see your museum there? Do you have something that's open to the public? And when yeah. can uh, there's a museum. It's located. I got it established at uh, City Hall in 2009, <laughs> and th- there we uh, have uh, lots of stuff on display: photos, some artifacts. It- it's open on uh, Saturday, Saturday afternoons, and Tuesdays and Thursdays from uh, one to three, mm-hmm. or by appointment. So during the Tall Ships Festivals, it should it will be open during the weekend. Okay, and those those historical walking tours that you mentioned of the Lantern District, um, is that something that happens by appointment, or do we go on a website to find out what, how to do that? The actual walking tours are part of, the guided walking tours are a part of the uh, Festival of the Whales, oh, okay. which occurs during the last week of February, the first week of March. Where we celebrate the the uh, the whales and the whale trading business, and also Dana Point being a whale sightseeing venture. Sure. So um, that's happen. It happens during that period of time. Is during there... that period of time, Wonderful. or on, on by request, they could uh, for a group can organize one through the uh, Dana Point Historical Society. Great. Well, I might just have to do that because I don't know if I can wait till next February. I might have to give you a call, <laughs> Carlos, and we'll, sure, have, we'll have to set that up. Well, before I let you go, tell me, you know, if I'm going to come to Dana Point, and I'm not coming maybe this, if I can't make it this weekend for the Tall Ship Festival, but I want to just come down. Give me a, a, a little bit of what your suggestions. Where where should I go to have the authentic Dana Point experience, where I know I'm in Dana Point and nowhere else? We we are a tourist destination. Uh, that is by design. We have uh, two five star hotels and a four star hotel and a three star hotel, and there are our most luxurious uh, accommodations, plus very, uh, and several smaller, uh, one I like the best is a B&B called the Blue Lantern Inn. Mm-hmm. It's located at the end of Blue Lantern, and it overlooks the harbor. Uh, right at that point is the gazebo built in 1924, which was to be a tourist attraction to show people the beautiful coastline and entice them into buying a lot mm. for their uh, vacation home. So th- there are plenty of places to stay. Um, the restaurants uh, are throughout the harbor and in our Lantern District. Uh, they all cater to uh, the tourists. So the cuisine is uh, a wide, wide menu of uh, Italian, uh, French, uh, English, seafood, uh, whatever you want, you can find it in Dana Point. And it is such a big harbor um, that it there's so many places to go and have a window table, you know, where you can go and get that special table and get out and see the water and see boats. There's so many opportunities. Um, the so best you, restaurants you on my around. list. The best restaurants on my list that that meet that criteria are the Wind and Sea, mm-hmm. and it's located in the harbor uh, at the end of the wharf. And it has outdoor dining or inside dining also uh, with a window open to the harbor and the entrance to 
to the harbor. Um, Harpoon Henry's, located about in the middle of the harbor, has uh, second-floor dining, which gives you an overview of the whole harbor where you can see all the slips, all the boats, and overlook the breakwater to see any uh, tall ships that will be coming in. So that'd be a good At place to check At the northern end of the harbor is the Chart House and Cannon. And those two restaurants have breathtaking views overlooking the harbor uh, through big, pane glass windows. So lots of choices to see and, and imagine not only the big tall ships this weekend, but just to kind of be able to sit there and relax and maybe catch a sunset and and see, kind of imagine what it would have been like for those early ships coming in before people were here, you know, before large settlements when it was really just that industry in the mid-1800s and kind of rema- imagine that romantic spot on the coast that Richard Henry Dana talks about. So thank yeah. you so much for being with me on Vintage Orange, Carlos. I really appreciate your time and your your insight. I, I think having the benefit of somebody with local expertise is priceless, and I appreciate you sharing your, your stories with me. Well, thank you very much for calling. I hope we can do this again. Of course, of course. Well, I always reserve the right to call again um, when we maybe in what, uh, February for the Whale Festival. It's a date. Okay, thank you so much. And thank you very much to Carlos Elvera for being my guest this week on Vintage Orange to talk about Dana Point. And I truly encourage you to get down there this weekend if you have a chance, even if you just want to drive by, find one of those nice parks out on the coast there in Dana Point, the headlands maybe, and check out some of these tall ships that are going to be in the harbor for the weekend. There will be a sunset sail starting on Friday, September 9th, and then they're going to be having these amazing cannon battles, these simulated cannon battles will be on um, Saturday and Sunday uh, between 4.30 and 7.30. So if you don't have a ticket to ride in the boat, you could just come down and experience it and let your imagination go back to 1835 and what it would have been like back then in Richard Henry Dana's time.